Hello, this sermon audio is a ministry of the Town Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you would like to learn more about us, how to connect, or how to support us, go to our website, thetownchurch.org. While listening to the Bible preached is a healthy part of our spiritual formation, it is not the whole picture. So if you aren't a part of a local church, we encourage you to prayerfully commit to a local body of believers where you live. We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. Good evening. It's good to see everyone here. Yes, this is a tie. Um, so my name is Vince. Um, I, I'm one of the elders here. It's good to meet you. If I have not met you, it is good to see all of you here. Merry Christmas. Kids, it's here, right? Adults, it's here. Um, thanks for being here. It's a joy to be together with each of you celebrating Jesus. Brett said that in the very beginning. We're here this evening celebrating Jesus. It's a, it's a thrilling time of year. By the way, parents, if your kids are making noise, no worries, all right? I, I live with it, so no worries, all right? Um, it, it's a thrilling time of year where we are coming to celebrate Jesus. Let's just face it. It is a, 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 an exciting time of year, right? We all act like it's frustrating when we walk through Target in September and see Christmas decorations up, but deep down inside, we actually really like it, right? And, and we act like we, we get frustrated by the, the sound of Christmas music in, in November, but then we find ourselves singing along, right, with a little bit of a, a smile. We act like it's way too early to be start, uh, starting the celebration of Christmas, but it's my guess... Yeah, I mean, uh, this is just a guess here, that as soon as you see the lights going up in the trees in Old Town, right, that you dissolve into enjoyment, right? That, that's my guess. It, it's, Christmas is like puppies, all right? Let, let, me, let me explain that. You, you can say that you hate dogs, right? You can say that you're, you're allergic to dogs. You can, you can say that you'd never want a dog because they're too much work, but as soon as your friend gets a puppy right? Then you get to this place where you're saying, well, you know, it it would probably teach the kids some responsibility. Uh, Maybe it's not a lot of work. They'd clean up around the table afterwards and and it would all be good, right? All right. So let me introduce you to someone. This is our dog, Kevin Jeffrey. All right. Now he's full grown there, right? That's an adult. And and you might say, well, I don't really like him. I, I wouldn't want a dog like him, right? At all. Yeah, that's right, right? That's eight weeks old, right? Who would not want that, right? You can say bah humbug all you want, but as soon as as the lights go up in the trees in Old Town, there's this place uh, in your heart that melts into gladness over the celebration of Christmas, right? There, there just is. It's there. By the way, kids, your parents are all getting you puppies for Christmas, right? So sit that one out, right? So, so, so here's where, here's where we are. It's a thrilling time of excitement. We sense it. We feel it. We get it. And, and even though we don't always recognize it, the sights, the smells, the sounds of the Christmas season are shaping and informing our loves and desires. They are. We, we may not realize it. And in the churchy lingo, we would say that that's a liturgy. Right? It's a liturgy. A liturgy is a set of practices that have been put into place to shape and inform your loves and desires and, 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 and get you to a place of worshiping. The world around us absolutely gets this, don't they? Uh, especially in this season. It's a set of practices that's shaping and informing our loves. They want us, the world around us, especially the business world around us, want us to, to want more. 
They want us to believe that we need more. They want us to believe that we want and need more. They want us to truly believe that we we must have and, and get more so that we buy more. The very reason they put up decorations for Christmas so early is so there's that little piece in you that is like, ah, oh, man, it's Christmas. This is a great time. I should be buying some things. The very reason that coffee shops roll out their peppermint, eggnog, reindeer milk lattes around this season, right? You know you can order that, right? It is so that it tugs on the nostalgic places in your heart to want to be in this season. The world around us gets this. The, the liturgy that, that's in place, they get the idea that there are certain practices that shape our loves and our desires. And so here's what we've been trying to do as a church over the last four weeks. We've been trying to put in place in front of us over the last four weeks a, a different way to be shaping and forming our desires, a different liturgy. So we've taken a break from the normal routine that we've been going through the book of Acts a, as a church, and we've stepped back to help shape and inform our desires around the one who came, Jesus. Shape and inform our loves and our desires, a liturgy to be set in place to be pointing our eyes to Jesus. And and so what we've done over the last four weeks is we've looked intently at the songs we sing during the season, the songs that we hear over and over, the Christmas tunes that we hear, and we probably don't think a lot about because we've heard them so often that we don't think deeply uh, about the lyrics anymore, right? Anybody get that, right? You're singing along, and and before you know it, you're saying the name Jesus as you're walking through Home Depot, right? And and you're just, it's there, right? And so we wanted to look at the songs that we're singing so that we can get our, our hearts to a place of worshiping Jesus. Now, not the songs that that often come to mind, right? Because we understand those songs, right? We, we absolutely understand the reason grandma wandered out into the snow, right? We get that, right? After drinking too much eggnog, she forgot her medication. That was why the tragedy of the collision of the reindeer happened, right? So we get that. But, 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 but what about the songs that we sing in the church about Jesus every, every year? Are, are those songs sinking in deeply. And so what we want to do tonight, even tonight, just very quickly, is look at one more song in our Advent celebration to set a liturgy in place to to move us to worship Jesus. The song is, O Holy Night. It's a song that you've probably heard a lot. How many of you have heard the song, O Holy Night, right? And and so in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, right, I, I know that one. That's the that's the one that that Josh Groban in all of his swarthiness wrote, right? No, well, the origins of that song actually go back a little bit further than Josh. Um, in 1847, Placide Capu, a French poet, a uh, there he is, um, not a swarthy, right? Uh, a French poet and a wine merchant who, who many believed was an atheist. Many believed he was an atheist, not a regular churchgoer at all, was commissioned by a local priest to write a poem for the Christmas Mass, for the Christmas service, much like what we're in this evening. He was commissioned by the priest to write a poem. And so while traveling from his small town in France to Paris, uh, the big city, in a stagecoach, he began to write. And he write, uh, wrote from the gospel accounts in the Bible and began to imagine... He began to imagine what it must have been like to witness the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, 
What was it like to, to witness that? And so with that in mind, he began to write. And after he wrote the poem, he realized, not even really caring much about Jesus, he realized that the poem was so moving that it had to be set to music. And so he asked one of his friends, a Jewish composer who was popular in the day, by the name of Adolf Adam, to write the music to this poem. And so he writes the music for this poem. Just three weeks after he wrote the music, the song was performed at a midnight mass, a midnight church service on Christmas Eve, much like this one. The song began to gain some popularity, gained a lot of popularity, became, became a staple in the Catholic Church for, for a while until it was discovered that an atheist wrote the song and a Jewish composer wrote the music and the Catholic Church banned the song from being sung in the church. Until, in God's providence, ten years later, when it found its way to an American writer by the name of John Sullivan Dwight. Dwight was an abolitionist and a strong and strongly identified with the lines in the third verse, which we'll get to here in a bit, about the chains of slavery being broken because of the name of Jesus. And so Dwight translated the song into English, and the song quickly found favor in America, especially in the North in America during the Civil War. So catch this, all right? Get, 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 get your brains around this. A man who was thought to be an atheist has been asked by a Catholic priest to write a poem for a Christmas Eve church service, a church he did not attend. And, and this Frenchman asked a Jewish friend, a man who did not celebrate Christmas or believe in the Christ that had come, and he asked them to write the music. And once the origins of the song were discovered, the church banned the song from being sung again. Ten years later, across the ocean, right around the time of the Civil War, an American abolitionist translated the song and published it to the masses to be singing of the greatness of our Savior. And here we are in 2015, worshiping Jesus because of this. God's hand woven through all of this, shaping and informing our desires around Jesus. And so let me walk through the song quickly, then we're going to sing it together. Okay, here are the lyrics of the song. The lyrics go like this. Oh, holy night. I'm not going to sing it. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till He appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angels' voices, O night divine, O night, O night divine. And so what we see in this first verse is the anticipation of Jesus' coming. As if we were there on the night of Jesus' birth. We are in the position of, of recognizing and seeing what is happening. And so can you imagine? Can you imagine what that must have been like? For years you've been told of a Messiah who was coming. For, for years you, you've told about the one who would come to make all things right. To, to make all things new, you've been living in a world that's been affected by sin. It's been, it's been affected by sin, yours and the sins of others around you. And finally on that night, you, you feel the thrill of hope. Hope not in a temporary fix, but a lasting hope. You feel it. A, a lasting hope in a forever king. A, a king who was coming. What would your response be? What, what, what could it be? In a moment like that, you what's it say? You fall on your knees in amazement. Is that where you are this evening? I get it. There's a lot going on. It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas tomorrow. Is that where you are this evening? Do you long for something better? Does your soul long for something better? Something more worthwhile? 
And I, I, I think if we're all honest, we all feel that to some extent. We, we, all, we all feel it. We want something better. We want a fix. We want the wrongs in our lives to be righted. And so what is your response? The song continues to tell the story of Jesus' birth and, 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 surra- and the surrounding events. It, it goes on to say, led by the light of faith, serenely beaming, with glowing hearts, by His cradle we stand. So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming, here came the wise men from Orient land. The King of kings lay thus in lowly manger in all our trials born to be our friend. He knows our need. And weakness is no stranger. Behold your King before Him lowly bend. And so we're told in Matthew chapter 2 that once Jesus was born, kings from the east came searching for Him. Why? Why did they come to worship Him? And so the song puts us in the place of these kings. Now we are in the place of these kings. We've been led to Jesus, the one who is King of kings. There is no one greater than this king. And where was He born? Was He born in a private fancy wing of a hospital? No, no, no. He was born in a stall for animals only to be placed in a feeding trough. The King of Kings. The one who spoke everything into existence. Even the animals who are surrounding Him. Spoke them into existence. The one who humbled Himself being born in the likeness of men. Born as a baby in a lowly manger. Why? Was this a mistake? Did God drop the ball? What was going on here? Did God mess this one up? No, no, not at all. The song continues to tell us the reason that, the, the reason that Jesus came, the King of Kings was born like this, into a broken world. We've got to catch this. It was so that He would know our trials. Do you realize that? Whatever you're going through right now, Jesus knows it. Whatever you're going through right now, Jesus knows. Sure, as wonderful as this season is for us tonight, as wonderful and joyful as Christmas is, each of us is experiencing some kind of hurt. Each of us is experiencing some kind of disappointment, loss, sadness. And so listen very closely. He, Jesus, knows our need. He knows it. He's able to sympathize with our weakness because He knows us. He has, he has seen the weakness of this world and He's been there. He's faced hurt. He's faced sadness. He's faced loss. And, and so if you're in hurt, if you're in pain this evening, our hope can only be this. It can only be this, that He knows our need. And in us drawing near Him, we find mercy and grace to help in time of need. He knows our need. That's why He came to earth. That's part of why uh, uh, He came. That's part of our celebration of Christmas. We have a King who is near. The song continues. Truly He taught us to love one another. His law is love and His gospel is peace. Change shall He break for the slave is our brother. And in His name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise. We let all within us praise His holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise His name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. This is our response at His coming. This is our response. He came not just to sympathize with our weakness, but Jesus came to teach us to love one another. How? How did He teach us? By loving us. 
That, that he taught us by showing us an example. He taught us to love others by his example, his ultimate example. He gave his life. Do you know why that's the, that, that, that's the reason the King of Kings came? To give his life. He came in love to give his life for us. In sin, we are separated from God and part of the pain that we feel on this earth, whether we realize it or not, part of the pain we feel on this earth is our separation from God. We know the pain of this earth because we have been held captive to this sinful place and we cannot escape it. Bound by the chains of our sin, we know this kind of slavery well. It's our brother. We know it well, but but listen, in the name of Jesus, all of that will cease. In fact, we're told at the very end of the Bible that Jesus is coming back and when he returns, those who know him and those who love him will, will see this oppression cease. His returning to make all things new is happening. He came once. He's coming again. Jesus came giving his life so that we could be in relationship with God. That's love. Jesus is coming again to right all wrongs. And so what's our response tonight? But what is our response tonight? Here's what it is. Acknowledgement. To acknowledge that the King has come and that He's returning. That's our response. And that acknowledgement then must push us into responding in, in songs of joy, in gratitude as we raise our voices to praise Jesus. Christ is the Lord. Do you believe that? Christ is Lord. Do you believe that Jesus is the only one who brings hope? Jesus is the only one who brings peace. Jesus is the only one who brings true, lasting freedom. Jesus is the only one who shows true love. Jesus did all of that by entering into our lives to give His life. And so what is our response? To turn to Him proclaiming Christ is the Lord. That, that's our response. To praise His name forever. To, to proclaim it tonight. And so that's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to sing a song written by a Frenchman, put to music by a Jew, brought to us by a U.S. abolitionist all about Jesus and why He came. Why He came. That's why we sing tonight, proclaiming the excellencies of Christ the Lord. So let me pray. We're going to continue to sing. Kids, the moment you've been waiting for, fire. All right. All right. So let me let me pray. Father, we come to you this evening knowing that you are a God who loves, knowing that you are a God who has a plan and knowing that you're a God who had a plan a, a long, long time ago to send your only son to come in the form of, of a human a, as a baby born into a stable, born to to two young people, a virgin uh, would give birth to a son. That son would grow up to be a man never sinning, but facing the hurts and pains of this earth, experiencing those pains. Weakness is no stranger to our King Jesus. That was your plan. And He walked humbly to the cross to stand in our place, defeating sin and death forever, being raised from the dead. Now He sits at your right hand and one day He's returning to make all things new. What a glorious day that will be. And so we must sing. Father, would you ignite our hearts in joy today in singing the, the praises of your King Jesus. Amen.